RD Talks, brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia. Trapped in a Volcano by Per Ola and Emily Dollaire. Scrambling from the downed chopper, the three stunned survivors confronted vents of hissing steam and a boiling lava pit. Sulfurous fumes made them gasp. If there's a hell, one thought, it's definitely like this. It had been raining for a week in Hawaii's Volcanoes National Park, and the Hollywood film crew had seen little of the volcano they had come to shoot. On Saturday morning, they couldn't wait any longer. Let's go, Michael Benson announced. Benson, 49, was in Hawaii to film background footage for the thriller Sliver. He was accompanied by camera technician Chris Duddy, 31, and helicopter pilot Craig Hosking, 34. They planned to fly low over the volcano and zoom in on the crater floor with a special camera. The site chosen was the smoking Pu'o'o vent of Kilauea, the world's most active volcano. In ten years, its oozing lava had devoured villages and added hundreds of acres to the island as it hissed into the sea and solidified. Now, during a quieter period, the crater floor, larger than three football fields, was covered with a thin layer of hardened lava. As they prepared to film that November 21, 1992, Benson decided to buy a little insurance. He knew some islanders believed in the powers of a volcano goddess called Madame Pelé. They pictured her with fiery eyes, lava-black hair and a fondness for gin. So Benson, with a flair for the dramatic, decided to drop a bottle of gin into the crater. We need only a few minutes of good weather, he explained. Maybe with a little persuasion, Madame Pelé will cooperate. As Hosking circled the chopper above the steaming cone, Duddy tossed out the offering. He missed the opening, however, and the bottle exploded on the volcano's rim. Close enough, Benson said. She'll get the idea. Hosking now hovered over the smoking caldera while Benson filmed the crater floor. We got some good footage, Benson said, but to be sure, let's do one more take. This shoot was the kind of cinematic challenge that Benson, a veteran of such hits as Terminator 2 and Patriot Games, thrived on. Tall, lean, with brown hair and blue eyes, Benson knew he had a tough, winning team. With a craggy face and prematurely white hair, Duddy already had over 40 films to his credit. The gangling Hosking was known as one of the film industry's best helicopter pilots. At 11.25am they passed 90 metres above the crater's rim, right over the spot where Duddy had tossed the bottle. Suddenly, a warning light appeared on the instrument panel. We've lost power, Hosking said. We're going down. They were descending to the left of a red-hot lava pond at 100 kilometres per hour. Clearly they were going down inside the volcano. There was no chance of clearing the rim and returning to the outside for an emergency landing. Frantically, Hosking peered through breaks in the clouds, looking for a flat place to set the chopper down. Fortunately, he was steering away from the 1,370 degrees Celsius lava pool. As he flared the nose slightly upward for a controlled landing, the main rotor hit a large boulder, causing the craft to drop the last few metres like a stone. The chopper's tail section broke off and its batteries were smashed. The radio was dead. Scrambling from the cabin, the three men fought for air in the sulphurous fumes. We've got to get out of here before we suffocate, Benson said, gasping. Steam hissed angrily from the ground. Nearby, the lava pond boiled ominously, 
and the heat beneath the thin rock warmed their feet. If there is a hell, Duddy thought, it's definitely like this. With visibility less than six metres, they knew no one could spot them from the air. Indeed, no one would even be looking for them for another hour when they were due back. We'll have to hike out, Hosking said. With Duddy in the lead, they picked their way toward a rock-strewn slope that angled sharply to the rim 90 metres above. In 15 minutes, they hiked about halfway up the crater wall. Scrambling through layers of ash and crumbling rock, they sank to their knees, slipping backward with almost each step. As the slope increased to 45 degrees, they had to crawl. Keep three points of contact with the rock, Hosking said, recalling his climbing experience in the Rocky Mountains. Two legs and one arm, or two arms and one leg. Finally, Duddy clambered onto a ledge. Above him, an overhanging rock face blocked his route. I can't go any farther, he yelled to the others 15 metres below. Don't come this way! Benson and Hosking crouched on another narrow ledge. Hang on tight, Hosking told Benson. I'll work my way back. Maybe I can get the chopper radio working. You'll suffocate down there, Benson argued. If we stay here, we'll either fall or choke to death, Hosking replied. My going down is our only hope, and he disappeared into swirling steam below. Reaching the crater floor, Hosking was engulfed by foul-smelling hydrogen sulphide and sulphur dioxide. He tore off his shirt and wrapped it around his nose and mouth to filter the fumes. Hosking removed the battery from the movie camera. If I could rig a connection, he thought, maybe that would power the radio too. But he had to fight against blacking out. Again and again, he would crawl 15 metres up the slope where the air was less noxious, taking a few deep breaths, then return to splicing the stripped wires to the camera battery. Finally, after an hour, a spark signalled that the circuit was working. This is Hilo Bay 3, Hosking announced. Any aircraft in the vicinity of the vent? We're in the crater. You're in the crater? responded the pilot of their backup helicopter. Roger. Aircraft not flyable, no injuries, but we can't climb out. We've notified search and rescue, the pilot replied. A chopper's on the way. Hosking shouted up to his friends, I got through! They're sending help! But Benson and Duddy could not hear him over the lava's grumbling, nor could they see him through the thick smoke. At 1.30pm, Don Shearer, a contract helicopter pilot on the neighbouring island of Maui, received an urgent call from a dispatcher. A helicopter's crashed in the Pu'u'o'o crater. There are survivors. Shearer had worked with park rangers on plane crashes, lost hikers, downed sightseeing helicopters, but never anything in an active volcano. He quickly fueled up and headed for the island. As his Hughes 500 chopper approached the crater an hour after receiving the call, the radio picked up one of Hosking's appeals. We need help. Air. This guy's on his last legs, Shearer realised. If I don't get him out soon, it'll be too late. I'm coming in, he radioed back. You'll have to direct me by sound. Hosking answered that he understood. But what about Mike and Chris, he wondered. Reluctantly, he realised his best bet was to get out, then help rescuers pinpoint the whereabouts of Benson and Duddy. Shearer moved cautiously in the blinding fog, unable to see either floor or walls of the crater. To your right, Hosking said. Edging sideways, Shearer spotted the wrecked chopper just nine metres ahead. I'm real close, he radioed Hosking. Run towards the noise of the helicopter. Hosking sprang forward, crawled onto the left skid of the hovering craft and hauled himself into the rear seat. Barely able to breathe, 
Shira maneuvered along the crater floor until he thought he was clear of any overhang. Pulling maximum power, he took the chopper straight up, high above the volcano. From the back seat, Hosking threw both arms around Shira, tears of joy streaming down his cheeks. When Hosking had first climbed down to the wreckage, Benson and Duddy could see him through breaks in the clouds. But then the fumes worsened, and an acidic, blinding fog surrounded each man. They took off their shirts and wrapped them around their faces to filter the poisonous air. Later, Benson and Duddy heard a helicopter, but couldn't tell where it was. Benson yelled down to where Hosking had been. Maybe he knew what was going on. No reply. Is he dead? Duddy called. I don't think anyone could survive down there this long, Benson replied. A feeling of doom overcame Duddy. Divorced with two young children, he thought, I don't want to die this way. I want to see my kids grow up. One by one, he pictured every person in his family. Out loud, he told them he loved them. Park rangers Jeffrey Judd and Neil Akana worked their way to the rim above Benson and Duddy. Extremely unstable, the area could slough off at any moment. Visibility was no more than an arm's length. Fumes were so pungent they corroded the stainless steel clips on their climbing ropes. The rangers had to wear gas masks. Akana snapped himself to a rope and crept to the crumbling edge of the volcano. Judd and several firefighters held the rope's other end. We're going to throw ropes over the side, Akana called. If you see one, grab it and we'll haul you out. Duddy's heart leapt. We're down here, he shouted. Again and again, Akana threw a bright orange rope over the side, fishing blindly for the men. Duddy's voice echoed off the crater wall, making it difficult to pinpoint his location. Benson couldn't hear Akana's voice over the lava pit's roar. The rangers were soon joined by Hosking, who insisted on helping. As darkness fell, however, they returned to their base camp, hoping to come up with another strategy. Huddling on the cliff, Benson and Duddy shivered as a rainstorm drenched them and temperatures fell below 15 degrees Celsius. Duddy, consumed by fear, called to Benson, Maybe it's smarter and quicker just to jump into the crater. Don't do it, Benson shouted back. Be patient. Benson's confidence gave Duddy second thoughts. If Mike can take it, so can I. On Sunday morning, Shira learned that corrosive fumes had damaged his chopper's turbine the day before, grounding him, and poor visibility stymied the ranger's efforts to help the trapped men. Duddy couldn't stand the prospect of another night on the ledge. He looked at his watch, 3pm. I can't take it any more, he called down to Benson. I'm climbing. Benson heard his determination. Okay, he said. Good luck. Duddy stood up, reeling from vertigo. He wriggled his fingers into a crack in the cliff. His feet found a toehold. The rock was wet and slick. His arms and legs shook with fear, but he hung on. He could see the top of the rim now, 12 metres to go. Less than two metres from the top, he was stopped cold by a wall of compacted gravel and stone. Rocks crumbled in his hands as he groped for a hold. It's over, he thought. I can't go up or down. He looked above him. The top was so close. I have to try. Carefully, he sank both hands into the gravel up to his elbows. In one final mighty pull, he heaved himself up and landed on his stomach on top of the rim. He lay a moment, gasping in disbelief, then yelled to Benson, I made it! I'll make sure they know exactly where you are! Benson heard nothing above the whistling wind and lava. 
Following a rope that Rangers had left as a marker, Duddy stumbled down the outside of the cone to the overjoyed rescuers. Mike is 45 metres below the rim, just to the right of where the ropes are, he told them. You've got to get him out. As a stopgap measure, Rangers decided to drop packages of food, water, clothing and portable radios over the rim. They hoped that Benson might be able to reach one of them. It would help him through the night. In the fading twilight, Benson saw something hurtling through the mist. It looked big, heavy and striped. Oh my God, he thought. Duddy had been wearing a striped shirt. It's Chris. Then he heard a sickening thud on the crater floor. Chris, he screamed. Why didn't I try to stop him? Suddenly Benson felt responsible for the whole disaster. Why did I insist on that final shot? Waiting for sunup on the third day, Benson strained to breathe. His throat was so sore he could no longer call for help. He caught rainwater in the one-centimetre depression on his light meter's face and sipped every drop. He thought of his wife of 25 years and their two children. They were telling him to be strong. We love you, they seemed to say. You're going to be rescued. Stay put. The gases he breathed caused strange thoughts to race through his head. As the swirling mist parted briefly, Benson saw a human profile on a distant rock. Madame Pelé, you're not going to win. I'm getting out of here. Then he prayed for a miracle. Please God, he pleaded, make the day clear so they can see me from the air. Members of the film crew had managed to track down Tom Hauptman, a daring rescue pilot. Early on Monday, Hauptman flew to the crater rim with Ranger Judd in the co-pilot's seat. Hearing a loud noise overhead, Benson peered upward. Suddenly the air cleared and 24 metres above him, he made out the tail rotor of a helicopter. Frantically he waved and the pilot waved back. Benson couldn't believe his eyes. The craft vanished again, but a voice boomed over the chopper's public address system. We're lowering a rescue net. Benson thanked God for the miracle. Hauptman programmed his satellite navigation system to home in on the exact spot where he had seen Benson. Now the pilot eased down to rim level and hovered delicately, lowering the net into the swirling clouds below. Hauptman waited 10 seconds, then climbed to where he could check his catch. The net was empty. Benson had seen it, but it was just out of reach. Hauptman waited for another opening in the clouds. He lowered the basket and hovered above the side of the cliff. This time the rope dangled within Benson's reach. When he pulled it toward him, however, the net snagged on a rock. Hands trembling, Benson struggled to free it. But before he could climb into the net, it began to rise. There goes my last chance, he thought glumly. However, the net came back, this time dangling three metres in front of Benson. Without a moment's hesitation, he dived into it. When Hauptman broke into clear air, he let out a whoop. We've got a live one, he screamed to Judd. Benson, Duddy and Hosking all suffered dehydration, minor abrasions and pulmonary problems. Duddy and Hosking are fully recovered. Benson, who Rangers believe set a world record for surviving the longest inside an active volcano, 48 hours, required further treatment. The ordeal has changed the three men. Hosking feels a new closeness to his family and a deepening of his religious faith. Duddy has a greater appreciation for the value of life. Benson feels reborn. They say a cat has nine lives. If I were a cat, I would have used at least five of mine in that volcano. 
I'm not about to squander what's left. Michael Benson went on to make a full recovery and in 1997 was a director of photography on the film Volcano. For more RD Talks, visit readersdigest.com.au Brought to you by Reader's Digest Australia.